Welcome to The Strategic Marketer, where we talk about strategies, tactics, and practical steps to help you become a better marketer. I'm your host, Joseph Lewin, and today's guest is Casey Maxwell. Casey is the Executive Marketing Director for Entree Leadership, which is a, uh, a division of Ramsey Solutions. And typically, I don't get into too much to the individual company that people work for. We're focusing much more on strategies and tactics. Uh, but I'm taking a, a little bit of a shift here because I've personally been really affected by Entree Leadership in a positive way. Um, I, I probably wouldn't be in marketing if it weren't for Entree Leadership and the Entree Leadership podcast and the, the leadership content, business content, and marketing content that I've I've learned. Um, and you know, back in the day when I was, I used to sweep chimneys. And when I was doing that, I was listening to the Entree Leadership podcast. Um, I probably listened to like hundreds of episodes <laughs> during that time. And that's, um, that's really where my foundation in, in marketing came from. Um, and we're going to talk about the Entree Leadership podcast during the show. Um, and I can get into this a little bit more in our back and forth. But some of the, the marketing leaders that I've really learned from the most, I had originally heard about on the Entree Leadership podcast. Um, so to kick it off, Casey, can you just tell us a little bit about what Entree Leadership is? Sure. So I, I kind of want to answer that question in two different ways. Um, Entree Leadership, as you said, it's a it's a company, it's a division of Ramsey Solutions. So for those of you that don't know what Ramsey Solutions is, it's the company that Dave Ramsey started. Um, he started it in a card table in his living room and uh, over 20 years ago, and he built it to a company that is, we just passed 1,100 team members a few months ago. And our, our revenues are in the millions. We're, we're, a, a, we're still considered small business, right? But we're, we're a big company. And so we're a division of Ramsey Solutions. And the main thing that we focus on is helping small business owners and their leaders win. So we are day in, day out, working with small businesses across America to help them uh, learn things that they've never learned before. Right. And so that's kind of the, the company or the business part of Entree Leadership. But Entree Leadership is also the playbook for how Ramsey Solutions does business. Um, it is the proven plan that we've used over the last 20 years, the things that we've learned through failure, the things that we've learned through success. It's a set of principles that guides our business. It's a set of frameworks and it's a set of tools that we deliver and work with small business owners to teach them things that, like I said, that they've never learned before. Yeah. And I mean, I just want to, I want to jump in here because a marketer who's listening to this, who isn't a small business owner and, you know, they might not even work for a small business. I want to tell you why you should listen to this. Um, Dave Ramsey is one of the best marketers of all time. And he, he's the CEO of his company and he gives financial advice and, you know, whether you agree with him or not, <laughs> um, says honestly a little bit about how good of a marketer he is because you <laughs> typically either love him or hate him, which is the sign of an excellent marketer. Uh, <laughs> but Dave is on his radio show three hours a day. And so as the, the CEO of his company, he's very in tune with the customer and um, he's he uses... Um, all kinds of different things that that marketers could learn from. And so when we're talking about entree leadership, does 100% of this conversation apply to you? You know, not necessarily, but if you're able to listen in, um, you're going to you're gonna hear about different marketing ideas and marketing tactics that are being applied at entree leadership um, led by, by Dave. And um, I think you'll learn some good stuff by osmosis. 
That's that's a great point. I mean, I've I've worked with uh, different CEOs, and so Dave, he's he's on the radio three hours a day. You see him on stage, and so my perception going in was he's he's really good at talking, right? And he's obviously really good at financial advice. Um, but the things that you don't see is kind of the business marketing side. And I love that you said that he is a good marketer because I remember one of my first meetings that I had with him, I go and sit down and I'm talking about a marketing plan and I just like, he's sitting there and he's not saying anything, just listening to me. And then he starts asking these questions and they're not the typical like, Oh, well, how are we going to get money or how we're going to do this? He starts asking questions of, well, why would the why would our customer want to do this? I know that our customers like to do X, Y, and Z. I get calls every day of the customers saying this or doing this. And oh, well, have you thought about this downstream effect that that's going to cause? And my mind, I'm sitting there thinking like, this guy knows marketing. Like a lot of CEOs just don't know marketing, right? But he is a marketer at heart. It's just the way his brain works. And he just lights up when he starts talking about that. So uh, I love that I love that you recognize that. And yeah, I, I really hope that any marketer uh, just really gets a lot out of this about how we actually, actually go to market with Entree. Yeah. And a couple of things that I'll say just up front about Dave and his approach to marketing and things that if you watch him for a long time, you'll start to pick up on, especially if you're good at marketing, is that he he takes ideas that everybody else wants to make really complicated because they want to look smart. And he he can be like even borderline self-effacing in the way he talks about himself and his knowledge, but the advice is is really sound, but he presents it in a way that anybody can understand. So he's purposefully making it accessible to everyday people, which is part of the value that he brings. You don't have to be the smartest person in the world. You don't have to, you know, have six college degrees to be able to to learn from what he's sharing. And then he breaks it down in and uses analogies all the time and uses simple ways to communicate communicate these ideas. So breaking it down into the seven baby steps and talking about the debt snowball and just giving you these mental pictures that you can use in these milestones of walking through a complicated uh, process. And if you go and sit down with a financial advisor, they're typically not going to break it down and make it that simple. And they kind of like to shroud things in a lot of, um, you know, mystery and make it seem like it's something you can't understand. And so just right there off the bat, that's to me a sign of a really great marketer. Well, we we focus, we focus, um, we, we have this phrase where we say cookies on the bottom shelf, right? We want everybody to be able to reach the good stuff. So much in the business world, in the financial world, you're exactly right. There's this sort of power that these people have when they talk about it because it it scares people. People don't, they're not comfortable with it. They don't know how to run a business. They don't know how to manage their money. And so then when they go talk to financial advisors or, or something like that, they speak in these terms that, you know, five, six, $20 words, we call them, and it makes it complicated. And so the reason that a lot of people do that is because they want to have the power, right? They want the power because they know things that you don't. And Dave, in everything that we do, we want to give that power to our customers, right? So we want to make it as simple as possible. And we get criticized for that. We're like, oh, seven babies, that's too simple. Oh, six drivers for your business. Oh, that's too simple. But if you can't understand it, you're never going to get your hands around it and start moving forward, right? So some of these things are more macro, 
But if you can't get your mind around that, you're never going to start making, making progress. So simplicity in everything that we do, even down to our books, our books, we have certain font sizes and spacing so that it is approachable. Dave had someone come up to him one time uh, and open up Total Money Makeover, which was the financial book that kind of started it for him. And she hadn't read a single word. And she said, Dave, I'm so excited because I know I'm going to be able to understand that. And it was because it had bigger spacing and it was able to be seen. So it was like 14 point font. We wanted to make it accessible because a lot of these financial books, they're really small type and it's like a lot of words on a page and it just looks intimidating. So yeah. we always approach everything we do with, Hey, we need it to be approachable so that people feel comfortable and trust us that we're not trying to hide something or, or uh, hold all that power. Yeah. And that there's a certain level of humility that you have to have to do that. And I think I think when people want to hide things, they're either, you know, wanting control or they have a certain level of insecurity themselves. And they think they have to use these big words and, and fancy things for people to respect them. Um, but clearly that that's uh, not true. And right. we'll, we'll move on from here. But I've, I've talked about this on the show before, specifically Dave and, and, uh, and his marketing. But since you're at his company, then <laughs> it's a more appropriate time to talk about it. Um, I recently had um, Patrick Hanlon on the podcast. He's the author of a book called Primal Branding. Yeah. And he has these uh, seven seven elements of like the primal code. And Dave literally hits every single one of those. And it's uh, these elements that he's found in the in the most successful brands in the world. You know, the ones that people rave about, they all have these element, seven elements. And um, I, I don't think I could go through all of them off my head, but you have a creation story and Dave has that and talks about it all the yep. time. And then you have your creeds and, and icons. And so those are going to be specific words, you know, so, and like symbols. So, I mean, symbols is going to be logos, you know, and all that kind of stuff um, or icons, but then your, your creed is going to be, um, you know, the paid off house is, has taken the place of the BMW as a status symbol of choice. You know, those things that you hear consistently and Dave's got, I don't know, probably 20 or 30 that if you listen to them consistently, you'll, you'll hear them come up over and over again. Um, yep. and then there's rituals and you have the debt free scream, you know, and, and, um, you know, these different things that you can expect as being part of that tribe, you know, part of the community, you can expect these certain rituals to come up consistently. And, um, and I think the events probably fall into a couple categories, but in the rituals, they could be in there too. Mm -hmm. You know, you're kind of expecting these things to come up the yearly summit event for Andre leadership or things like that. Um, you have the leader and you know, that's Dave, although he's actively been working for a while at spreading that out to other people. Mm -hmm. Um, but anyway, there's a few other elements and, and literally like, if you look at it, he hits every single one and people are really passionate about it. Um, uh, the other one, other one in there is the non-believer. And so that's going to be somebody who actively is against what you believe. And that's kind of a, a sign that you have a point of view, you know, that you're taking a stance and the non-believers help because they actually get the, the true believers to get involved. So for instance, if you go to a post of Dave on Facebook, you're going to see a non-believer show up in there somewhere, <laughs> but you know what you're going to see under that non-believers post is probably a hundred people who would jump in and from the community who are solidifying their place in the community by saying, you don't know what you're talking about. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you never want to have anyone say something bad about you online, just never have an opinion, right? Never have an original thought 
and just post what everybody else posts. And for the most part, you're not going to get a lot of haters. But when you take a stance on anything, right, um, you're going to get people that disagree with you. And that's fine. A lot of times it's a signal that we're heading in the right direction, right? That people are like, oh, I disagree with that. And we're like, that's probably because you're doing it wrong. Right. Yeah. And so you, you balance the, the arrogance. It's not, it's not a, it's not from a place of arrogance, but it's from a, Hey, we've been doing this. Like if you, we've been doing it for 20 years, right. We've seen this over and over. Like when you talk about creation story, so the creation story of entree leadership is, is pretty cool. Um, cause like, like I said, Dave started off writing a book in finance and, uh, as he started going, he was learning all of these lessons and developing these principles and frameworks and he started saying, man, I want, I want to teach the people of my team, people on my team, this. So he said, hey, you give me 30 minutes and I'll give you 30 minutes and we'll do an hour and I'll just teach what we're doing. Right. And this is these are these are the way we make decisions. These are the principles that we make decisions upon. And so we would do that once a month with the team at Ramsey. And so he did that for a couple of years and word started getting out and people wanted to come. People are like, hey, I'd love mm. to sit in and know what you're doing to grow your business because they're seeing this growth in Dave's business and they, they're they like, how are you doing that? I, I want to I be a part of that. So we had people from the outside starting to come and there was mm. the question of like, well, I mean, I wonder if we did an event. If we did an event, would a bunch of people come? And so we had the first event and we sold it out. And then we said, well, let's have another event. And so we did the event again. And then the idea was like, well, I mean, we write books here. We should probably write all of this down. Hmm. Uh, and so we wrote a book. And then we, uh, once we wrote a book, we said we should create a podcast. And we did that before podcasts were cool, right? So we did this in 2011. So we said, let's create a podcast uh, to begin to grow that brand around it. And then other events came up and then we started a digital product of saying, Hey, and we have coaching. And so the, the way that it grew was it grew out of the response of our customers. You said it, you said it earlier, why Dave is such a good marketer. The reason he's such a good marketer, he talks to the customer three hours a day. What other CEO at a company is talking to their customers three hours a day? I would say, I would argue 99.9% .9 of companies are not doing that. He's talking to customers more than people that should be doing that. Me, marketers, like talking to our customers on a regular basis. How else are we going to tell them why our products and services are good in a marketing way if we don't really know how they think, how they act, what are their pain points? What's, absolutely. what are they struggling with? Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Those are, <laughs> I, uh, we could talk about that all day. So, so far out of the, uh, out of the five questions I have, we've gone through one. <laughs> so, uh, we'll dive more into the podcast in a second. I think we can kind of go a little deeper, but maybe just before we do that, I'll, I'll wrap these next two questions into one and maybe we can take it from a high level and then, um, go a little, a little more. So maybe you could tell me a little bit about what you specifically do at Entree Leadership, what your role entails. And then, um, just from a high level, what's the, what's the go-to market strategy for Entree Leadership? Sure. So I actually am new to the Entree Leadership team. I'm not new to Ramsey. I've been at Ramsey Solutions for about six years now. And I was, I was in a different part of the organization, but I was 
working with Entree Leadership, uh, coaching at some of their events, um, and you know, attending, uh, helping helping some of the marketing, but kind of from from the outside, I was leading the overall website. Um, and so I just joined the team about uh, seven weeks ago. So uh, we were talking before the podcast. I'm still kind of trying to figure out the lay of the land. It's like uh, the the way that I I the visual that I have is I, I'm kind of like in the attic with my flashlight kind of going around into these boxes saying like, what, what, what is this? Do we still use this? Is this? Does anybody have batteries for this? And so I'm trying to figure out like, whenever you come into a new role, you're always kind of doing that. You're just trying yeah. to figure out what, what do we have? What data do we have? What's working? What doesn't? Um, and so uh, that's, that's kind of my role. My role is the leading all of the marketing. So we are, okay. like I said, a division of Ramsey Solutions. And in that, uh, I sit on the, the leadership team and I'm responsible for uh, the, the overall funnel. So I've got brand and acquisition, right? As well as product marketing. We have a, a digital product called Entree Leadership Elite. And so obviously there is product marketing, keeping, you know, retention and upsells, referrals, all of that kind of stuff. So it's really, uh, it kind of is like a small business CMO, right? If you kind of look and think of, of, of my role with, within the company. Um, but when you think of our, our go-to-market strategy, it's, it's kind of, we, we've already kind of touched on it because it's, it's a similar philosophical strategy that we have across the organization. So Dave always says, if you help enough people, you're not going to have to worry about money, right? Because when you help enough people, they give you certificates of appreciation with president's faces on it, right? So they pay you for things. So the way that we go to market is we try to figure out what are the biggest pain points that our customers are struggling with, and then we create products uh, to solve those, right? So the, there's four major pain points that we've identified over these last 20 years that small business owners and their top level leaders have. Um, so the first one is uh, when it comes to time, they don't have it. Now, that's that's pretty generic. These are all, when you think about it, these are macro problems, right? So there's nuances underneath them. And so yeah. we can all say, hey, we never have enough time. But when you are uh, a small business owner, it's all sitting on your shoulders, right? If, if the business fails, you don't have a salary, but you're responsible. You feel this weight of all of your team members and their families, right? So you feel like if, if I'm going to do something, it has to be driving my business forward. And so they never feel like they have enough time in the day for anything. The second is a lot of small business owners are what we call accidental business owners, right? So they started off doing a thing. They had a skill. I'm really good at paid marketing, right? Um, I'm really good at this. So I'm going to go on my own and, and just kind of like do some, some contract work. And as I'm going, I'm, I'm kind of doing paid marketing. And then uh, I get so many clients, I don't have time. So I bring on another person to help me with that. And then uh, we keep growing and, and I get another. And then all of a sudden I look up and I've got a couple million in annual revenue and I've got 10 team members and I'm, I'm responsible for all of that. And yeah. they are like, wait, wait, I, I'm good at paid media, 
but I'm not good at running a business. I don't, I don't even know how to do that. I don't, I don't have a plan. And yeah. so they don't have time and they, they're just kind of making it up as they go. Right. They, they don't have this, they don't have this plan. And when they're in that sort of space of, I've just got all these people, there are so many things related to leadership of people that you are never taught. Absolutely. How to hire people, how to hire the right people, how to fire people, um, how to, how to lead people in a way that shows them that they care, how to reward people, how, like, what are all of the things that I need to do to lead and work with people on an ongoing basis? Cause you think when they come in, like, well, I'll pay somebody and they'll do a thing. Right. And then all of a sudden they don't. And you're like, well, crap, how do I make them do a thing? I, I, I just <laughs> thought I would pay them and then they would do it because that's how I would do it. Um, and so working with and, and solving that of like, how, how do I lead people? And the last one, and this is the one that like, when I think of me as a team member, what I get so passionate about is this last one. And it is this feeling of isolation. So many small business owners, like there's this excitement of, I really care about this thing. I'm going to go out on my own and I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, take the hill. I'm going to, I'm going to solve this thing that I want to do. And so they get out there and they get, they, they build this business. And all of a sudden, because they don't know, they didn't learn how to lead people. They don't really have a solid plan yeah. and they don't have time to do any of this kind of stuff. There's this feeling of like, I'm all, I'm all by myself. I don't have the right peer groups. I don't have the right connections. I don't even have somebody that's telling me that I'm doing this the right way. So I, I just, and I don't, I, I can't talk to my team members about it necessarily, right? I'm supposed to be leading them. I can't ask them, what are we supposed to do? I don't know how to do this, right? What do I and, do with their peer who <laughs> sucks right. at their job and right. won't get their act together? That might, that might not be appropriate. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And so like, there's this feeling of like, I'm, I'm all alone. I, I, I'm just, and, and that's the part that gets me the most hmm. because they are the backbone of this economy and the idea that they just don't have someone telling them that they're doing a good job, helping guide them in the right direction, or even just talking to somebody who's who's done it before, um, that just that just gets me fired up to go in every day because yeah. that's what we do. And so our go-to-market strategy is we create products and services that solve those four problems. So any content that we put out there. Um, whether it's at one of our events, you mentioned summit, that's kind of our, our high level event. And we could, uh, we can, I'll kind of talk from a high level. If you want to get into kind of like where these things kind of fit in the funnel and what they're supposed to do. Um, but from a high level, we've got these big events that have big names like Jocko Willink and Patrick Lencioni. And at summit, we had, uh, Jamie Kern Lima, who, if you haven't ever heard her talk, she's, she's awesome. Um, and we had, we had Jay Leno and Nick Saban there, um, just talking about different things. Um, I'm mostly focused on leadership. So we've got all these big names coming and talking about leadership. Yeah. If you look at the list over the last 10 years of people that have been at Andre Leadership Summit, it's pretty, yeah, pretty good list of people. Oh yeah. <laughs> of and people, everybody would recognize yep. specifically in marketing and outside of marketing. Yeah. And in 2023, we've got James Clear who he wrote this small book that most people haven't heard of, um, called Atomic Habits. Um, it's only been like number one for the last 
forever. Like it's just been the number one book out there forever. Right. <laughs> and then you've got Jordan Peterson is coming and, and like the, the way that I was talking to one of our customers, um, about, about summit. And they said, um, they go, you guys have such a stacked lineup every time you have one of these events. Like you have somebody who could be the keynote speaker of most business conferences and you got them on a Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Right. (laughs) And I'm like, you know, it's, it's, it, it's amazing. And because we've built this over time, like our podcast guests are, are people that we come that speak at summit. They're, they're the biggest names out there, right? They want to come, come and speak at that. Um, and so we've got, we've got events, um, and podcasts and things like that. We also have, let me stop you for one second. Oh, go ahead. So, I, we talked for a little bit at the beginning. Do you, can you go a little bit past the hour if we, cause we're, yeah. we got eight minutes left Yep. and I'd love to dive into some of those things, but if yeah. not, we need to kind of like nope. get towards nope. the end. So if my you can kids, go a little longer. My wife took my kids to the pool. So, and I put my dog in the crate, so I, we're good. Okay, cool. So, so you're doing the, the events and that that's one arm of it and they're, you know, awesome in the podcast, which we'll talk. I'd like to go into the most detail on that because that's. Okay. near and dear to my heart and also how I learned or how I was really most affected by Andre leadership myself. Uh, but on the event side, um, some of those guests are coming from people that you've had on Entree leadership. So it's kind of another advantage of the podcast is it's not only like repping the brand and letting people know that you exist, it's giving you guys credibility because the audience from those people might hear about your show and they'll associate a certain amount of credibility with you just by having those high name guests on, but then it's also creating this funnel of potential people for live events and you already have a relationship with them. So it's a lot easier to get them for an event. If you've had them on the show, than if you're just cold outreaching to their, you know, publicist or <laughs> whoever you would reach out to, to get them on. Yeah. And we, we focus a lot, you know, from our events and podcasts, a lot of that is around leadership, right? Leadership at, at kind of like, um, uh, I would say a, a larger scale, right? Like, let's just talk about, uh, and I've said it before, like the macro level of leadership, right? And so then we have kind of the next layer down is our things like the Entree Leadership book. So that book is, uh, it, it's it's our playbook. It's how we do it's how we do business. It's it's the reason that I actually came to Ramsey Solutions. I was going through the interview process, and uh, the CMO said, Hey, have you read Entree Leadership? And I was like, I, I haven't. She's like, I'm going to send you a copy. And if, if you read it and you like it, you'll want to work here. And I was like, that's the, that's the weirdest thing I've ever <laughs> heard in an interview. Right. And so I read it and I was, when I finished it, I came back and I was talking to the, to the hiring manager and they were like, what, what questions do you have about the book? And I was like, I don't, I only have one question. And they were like, well, okay, what is that? And I said, is it true? And they said, what do you mean? It's, is it true? Are you saying, I said, it's really easy to write a book about how you should run your business. I said, it's a very different thing to actually run your business that way. And the hiring manager was like, yes, it's true. And, and there's a lot of stuff that's true. That's not even in there. Right. So we, we've, we've grown so much since then. And so at that point I was, I was like, 
I'm all in. What, you know, what do I need to do? What do I need to do to work here? Um, so we've got like event, like the book. We also have another event that we call Entree Leadership Master Series. And that is a four day intensive. We call it like you get a master's degree in four days because it is all of the things like you go into deep, uh, really, really deep of how we do our business. So each talk um, is is around key things. And you're basically, it's almost like you're at a workshop working on your business for four days. And mm-hmm. so that's kind of a little bit uh, a layer down. And then a layer down from that is we have uh, a digital product that is called Entree Leadership Elite. And so in there, that's how you start implementing these Entree Leadership principles. So it's got a bunch of courses. It's got a weekly report tool that uh, you can reach out to your team members and get feedback. It's got other things like meeting tools and rhythms and all these other resources. And it's got access to coaches, whether you you get coaches. And again, the, the whole isolation being alone, sometimes you just need a coach to help push you yeah. in the right direction. Right. And it's also got access to community. So you're able to surround yourself with other business owners and talk about what's what's going on. How how did you solve this problem? Oh, I solved it that way. Oh, that's great. So, like I said, everything that we build, everything that we do is centered around those solving those solving those four problems. Hmm. Yeah. And I like how you have multiple levels at different at different points. And there's going to be certain people who are just going to listen to the podcast. And then there's going to be other people who are going to buy the book and that's all that they're going to do. And then you're going to have other people that come to an event and then people who join the elite group and, you know, go on from there. I think that's just really, again, smart marketing. Cause to me, the best marketing is when marketing starts at the very base level. What is it that a customer wants? What are the pain points and problem? And then marketing has input into designing the product. So maybe we need to call it something different, but, you know, getting into product marketing, you know, at that point and designing something that's easy for people to understand. And that's easy to sell. Like Mm -hmm. you need a really good sales team that you pay crazy commission if your product is really hard to sell. So the easier you make it to sell, shorter the sales cycles are, easier it is for customers to to buy, Um, the you can cut your margins down potentially or have more profit one or the other because you're not um, having as long of sales cycles and you're not having to pay as much overhead in, in this huge sales team. Um, but then also just people, it's easier for them to talk about it. You know, the, the more simple the product, the more simple the process. That's why something like going back to um, to financial peace and, you know, that whole idea, the seven baby steps, it's something that somebody can share with a friend, right? And explaining that process and right. and then what what they went through themselves Dave's done a great job at being at giving people the words that they need. And to me, that is great marketing. Like that's what marketing is there to do is to make it really easy for people to understand what you do, how to get involved and how to take that next step. And then if you make that next step really easy and and painless, then people are going to do it. But if you went straight from the podcast and then the podcast is there and you have an ad in the middle of the podcast for elite and that's it. And that's the only thing you do that's a pretty hard sell. And you would have a certain amount of people that would do it, but that's a really hard sell. So then what's that easy next step that somebody can take? And well, getting the book, you know, and, and doing that or funneling to one of the other Ramsey podcasts. And maybe they don't buy entree leadership, but maybe they buy financial peace or, you know, they buy John Deloney's book or they, you know, get involved in, in something else that's going on at Ramsey. So having these different 
off ramps that people can take that are that are easy and you know kind of varying levels of of uh, cost and commitment. Um, I think that's really important for marketing because when, especially, okay, so this podcast is focused on B2B marketing, which you guys are doing at Entree Leadership um, and some of your customers are doing, but a lot of your customers are also direct to consumer people. So to bring it back to B2B, um, so many B2B companies make buying too complicated. It's it's too hard. And then their solutions are expensive. Um, and instead of breaking it down into something that's like no dollar, low dollar, you know, the entry level and going up and they only go for these huge enterprise deals. It's just too hard for people to buy. And the other piece of that is, is risk, you know, like the more risky it is for somebody to buy something, the the less likely they are to do it, especially Mm -hmm. if they're, you know, if you're buying a book, no big deal. You buy, you know, whatever you go to an event, didn't turn out great. Still a cost, not that crazy. But when you're talking about B2B, if you bring in a company and it's 50 grand for your company or hundred grand or 200 grand, a million dollars to bring in a vendor. And that's the first time you're actually going to get to do work with them. That's really risky. And there's a lot of career risk when you're in the corporate world to where if you make a mistake in that, that could ruin your career (laughs) or it could end your career opportunity at that company. If you made a mistake, whereas in the B2B space, if you can design products that are like you're saying, where you kind of have a funnel where you can go into different layers of it, um, and make it easy to buy, you're removing a lot of that risk. And so if you can create a solution that's a way for somebody to just put their toe in the door and go, well, what's it really like to work with this company? And, you know, by spending five grand or, you know, doing an assessment or something like that, um, I found that to be really, really effective for lowering that that barrier to entry for people to to get involved. Yeah, we, we talk a lot about... Um, you know, you're talking about diversifying, giving a bunch of different things that they can do, different ways that they can get onboarded. Uh, one of the one of the biggest things that we focus on that when I think of from a B2B perspective, um, a lot of on the B2C side, uh, when it comes to content and how you produce it and what type of content and what type of events, like they've started doing a lot of things. I've seen this more and more that they're doing the things of B2C, but they're missing a critical component in that they're not focusing on making the content and the experience really, really world-class, hmm. right? So they write, that they have a podcast, but it's not really engaging, right? They're doing it to check a box, or they have an event and it, it's just a big it's just a big sales pitch the entire time. One of the things that we are ruthlessly uh, focused on is making sure that everything that we do is world class, right? It, one of the things that Dave does at every event, he will go once everything is set up, he will go back to the chair in the very back, and he will sit down and he will be like. Let me hear the audio. Let me watch some of the videos. Let me hear someone talking on stage because mm-hmm. I want the person that sits all the way in the back to have such an amazing experience as someone, you know, as good as someone that is sitting closer up, right? Because they've trusted us to give us a significant amount of money. Like it's not cheap yeah. to come to our conferences, right? And so they've given us money. And so we want them to get even more than they paid for. Right. Yeah. So we want to do a podcast and we are uh, really, really intentional about who we bring on, what they're going to talk about 
and making sure that it aligns with our principles. Because, right, we're, we're not just bringing people on to bring people on, right? Entree leadership has a very specific point of view on how you should be a leader and how you should do business. So we're going to yeah. bring people on that are doing that in the market right? It does do, it, it has a d- double effect. Like some people will come and I've talked to a lot of people and they're like, yeah, I started listening to the podcast because I, I saw X guest was on there. Right. And so I like that person. And so I wanted to come on. Well, when I was on there, all of a sudden I saw some of these other things, whether it was the host or even the content or some questions that you asked that I didn't hear. Cause a lot of, you know, people just do the rounds on podcasts today. Totally. Uh, and so you just, yeah, you listen to somebody on a couple podcasts and you'll like just hear the same thing yeah. <laughs> on yeah. five different shows and yeah, they've got, much it. they've got the shtick. Right. And so they, they kind of lead into that. And so we are very intentional of putting specific questions that help people show this is kind of what we think about business. Right. Yeah. And so making sure one, one of our best strategies and so anybody could steal this strategy in, in marketing. So it's not just having an event, right? We make sure that our events are world-class because what this is what happens. Somebody comes to the event, one person, right? So, so we get, we get a, a, a close. So we close someone, they come to the event. They have an amazing experience, right? What happens? They go back and they tell their leaders or bring some of the leaders in next year, two of them come, right? And then after that, the next year, they bring three people. And so we've had people that come in and they they have gone the first year to bringing mm-hmm. one to the third year to bringing 16 people. Like there's one organization that brings, I think, I think they brought 35 people to these events. And that is a significant investment of their company, but they so trust us. And we have, we've, uh, we've built that trust by always over delivering on these experiences that it helps sell other things down the line. Right. So it makes, it makes it easier to continue to sell to them down the line just because we've, we've, uh, we've built this trust already. So if you're in B2B, make an amazing podcast right? Make a podcast that is so good that when that person ends up talking to a sales rep, they already have a bunch of trust in your company. Cause that sales rep, if you're going to do, if you go that route is going to have a much bigger chance of closing someone that there's already some trust built than them having to build all of that, all of that trust on their own. Yeah, absolutely. And um, we're going to pivot into the podcast now since you brought that up. It's a great segue. Um, but just one thing on, on what you just said, those, that person's bringing, you know, whatever, 35 people, some of those people on their team, if they're working for a small business are going to go on to start their own small business. And that's a future customer right there. Or they get hired onto another company at another small business and they go, man, this conference that I went to with my boss was at my previous role was amazing. We've got to go do it. And so again, like kind of going back to some of what we talked about earlier, it's not just influencing the buyer, it's influencing the peripheral people around the buyer. And those people matter, especially in like the long-term growth of your brand, having these peripheral advocates is, is huge. Um, and, um, so anyway, so then that brings us to, to the podcast. And so I was, I was going to ask you about, uh, about 
how that's helped you guys to grow. And, and we could talk about that. But I think something that's more interesting is, well, how do you then create a world-class podcast? Like, how do you do that? There's, there's a lot. So it's a lot of times when people will approach podcasts, um, they think if I just have a podcast, then all of my customers will flock to me. Um, that's not going to happen. And especially like, so we started the Entree podcast uh, back in 2011 and the space was like, it, it was not oversaturated, right? There was not, there was not a lot of people out there. Um, it was kind of easy to get noticed if you created a podcast and we had already had kind of like how to create a show. We've had the Ramsey show as a model, um, right. So we, we kind of know that's, that's kind of in our sweet spot yeah. of how do you create that type of content. Um, but there, there was not a lot of people in the space. Well, now it's becoming more of a regular thing that people create podcasts. And so it is now getting flooded with people that are just putting together a podcast and not really thinking of who, who is my audience what do they need to hear and how do I give them a world-class experience? And so like when we think of, when we think of that, we've got one, we talk to our customers all the time, our podcast listeners, we send out surveys, we call people, we ask for constant feedback. We get on, you know, a, a lot of people yeah. that listen to the podcast end up coming to summit or coming to elite. You know, we like podcast helps plant seeds that we harvest down the line. Right. And so you don't, you don't always see the effects of that. Like we don't have uh, a lot of direct attribution to the podcast. It's not one of these things that we're like, oh yeah, look, we did that podcast and we saw all of these sales. Right. But when I, I, I sit, so my office is right next to the sales team and I hear, oh, yeah. hey, yeah. So how'd you hear about us? Oh yeah, that podcast. Yeah, the podcast is one of our biggest things. I hear that over and over and over. And so we we use those as signals. We say, well, mm. if if our customers that are coming in to buy our things are mentioning things that we are doing that are not easily uh, to uh, to do attribution for, it gives us signals that that we're on the right path. Right. We also you know look at other metrics like is it growing? Mm. Where does it sit in the rankings? Like all of that type of stuff. But we want to hear from the sales team that our podcast is resonating, right? And so after we talk with customers and uh, again, yeah. focusing on those pain points, we say, who are the people out there that is going to help us meet these needs? How are we going to focus on leadership and be able to bring value to these people for something that they can't just hear everywhere else? Like, when before it was like, oh, well, we had a podcast, so we were the only ones in that space. Now there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of business podcasts out there. So we have to ask the question is like, what makes us different? What makes our podcast unique enough so that people will choose to listen to us on a regular basis versus just listening to every other business podcast out there? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and to that point, there's still a huge advantage for specifically B2B companies to start podcasts because it typically is not very saturated in your whatever space you're in. And so if you're trying to create, you know, a, a business, uh, a business podcast for small business for small businesses specifically, that is 
much more challenging, especially when you've got a world-class show like Entree Leadership that you're going to be competing with uh, for the for the space. But you know, if you're a, a consulting firm that consults with industrial manufacturers, there's the uh, industrial uh, the the manufacturing executive podcast. But you know, that's really going to be one of the few that that you're competing mm-hmm. against. There's two or three, and you can easily jump in in that space. Or if you you're in the you know some kind of uh, I'm thinking of um, specific ones that the company I work for works with in the engineering med med device space. There's not that many in the, in that space. Or you know consulting on, um, businesses on on how to get through FDA approval. Mm-hmm. Like not very many podcasts in that space. So if you're in a niche industry, still plenty of opportunity to to jump in on the podcast side. Um, and just if you create a world class show. Um, you're gonna get gonna get people there. Oh yeah, and people just want to learn. Like most people listen. Like there, there's there's entertainment podcasts and there's podcasts yeah. that people are wanting to to learn something, right? And so if somebody is going to listen to one of those podcasts, they are most likely your ideal customer, right? And so ours, like I said, doesn't have a lot of time. Well, most people don't have a lot of time, and podcasts are ways that people learn on the go. So they listen to it when they're working out. They listen to it on their commute. They're doing something else, but they're able to learn during that time. And so we're able to plant these seeds. They just, like a podcast is one of those things that ours goes out weekly. So we, every Monday, we publish the the podcast and uh, people just get a regular rhythm of that. And they hear, this is the Entree Leadership Podcast. There, there are very few marketing mediums out there that you're going to get that sort of brand touch weekly, right? And if you create a world-class podcast, people are going to listen to it. Like yeah. I've got, I've got a decent amount that I will subscribe to and then they won't be very good. And then I'll just kind of let them fall to the bottom. But the ones that I really, really like, and I understand their rhythm of when it's coming out, I will look for that. I, I, oh, yeah. start, I start building plans around that. Like, oh, on Monday when I ride to work, I'm going to listen to the Entree podcast, right? Yep. It's like you just kind of create these these ongoing rhythms. And I may miss a couple here or there. Um, some people are very, I talked to a guy the other day and he's like, I have listened to every single Entree Leadership podcast that's ever come out. And I was like, <laughs> that's amazing. Because there are hundreds. <laughs> We're on like 400 and something. I was like, that's that's amazing. That's, that's awesome to hear. Um, but people like most people will miss some here and there. Um, but again, it's that, it's that constant, just getting in front of people so that when they're ready and when they need something, you're going to be in that consideration set. Yeah. And, um, we're getting pretty long here at this point. So I'll probably, probably wrap it up. I could keep talking about this for, for a long time, but one thing on that note on the podcasting side that's um, that, that I think is important to think through if you're a small business or you know you're in a niche industry is it's really easy to make it about you and your company and call it the name of your company which if you're a well established brand and people are going to listen because of that I think that's fair you know like the Entree Leadership Podcast you can get away with that because mm-hmm. you start out with a book launch and people knew the book that are in your target audience. Right. But if not, chances that people are going to want to listen to a branded podcast for your small company that nobody's ever heard of, I think that's can be pretty hard. And you could disagree with me on that. But then, like you said, 
you're focusing on leadership broadly. And then you do have certain episodes that are focused on specific areas of small business that would be helpful, but it's not all focused on something that somebody's going to then just go buy your stuff as soon as you're done. Like it's not all purely within the sweet spot of entree leadership. There's like other elements that are coming in that make it more interesting than listening to just uh, what you guys have expertise in specifically or what you can help a business with. So making a, having it be slightly broader, something that's more interesting where you have more content potential that your customers are going to find interesting than having those off ramp things, you know, those kind of uh, easy off ramps like the book and those other things to get people further in. I think there's a lot of value to that. Um, and it it's really easy for companies to want to just use it as a way to as a sales pitch over and over again. And that's, it's not going to work. <laughs> yeah. If people, if people aren't getting value out of it, they're not going to, they're not going to stay subscribed. So if you think you're going to create a podcast and only talk about why people should buy stuff from you, nobody, nobody is going to, no one's going to listen to that. Right. Um, you need to give them enough. It's, I mean, it's content marketing, right? Podcast is content marketing. You're putting content out there to help people and solve their problems. And they, that builds trust over time. And it, it pays off when, when you sell something down the line. Right. And so, but if it's, if it's a sales pitch, I mean, I'm sure we've subscribed to enough podcasts and we listen through it and the whole thing is a sales pitch and we're like, Oh gosh. Uh, And you may listen to one or half of that episode, but you're never going to listen to another one from them. And or so recommend why, it. Do what? Or recommend it. You know, or rec- yeah. Much yeah, less likely to recommend it, even if that. you listen to it, because it's just too too salesy. Um, okay, last question. Um, what practical advice do you have for young marketers that are looking to grow in their career or grow in, in let's just say specifically leadership in the marketing space? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um, I think one of the biggest things is that I see that marketers often don't do is focus on soft skills over hard skills. So what I mean by that is a lot of people, when they're trying to level up their marketing, what they're focused on is I need to go learn all of this paid strategy, or I need to get better at content strategy, or I need to do all that stuff. That's a, that's a duh. Like you need to have a growth mindset. You need to constantly be figuring out how to be, um, better in those areas. Right. When I say soft skills, there, there is, there are things that are missing when I, you know, when I interview and I I hire a decent amount of people, when I interview people, I'm seeing that there are key things that are missing. And some of that is around critical thinking, right? How, how do you, how do you, lean into learning how to make good decisions, hmm. right? How do you think, what are the frameworks you use to say like, I'm going to, this is a good idea versus this is not a good idea, right? Yeah. Um, there's, there's stuff around like, um, go take some courses on how to make decisions, right? Hmm. That's going to, that's, that is something that when I see people and I'm like, how did you ever come to this decision. They're like, well, I saw it over there. I I heard an influencer on LinkedIn say, this is the best way to do a thing. Hmm. If you don't know how to think critically and to know that just because business A had this strategy work for them 
and you can't just pick it up and put it in your business. You got to figure out, okay, what of that strategy will work for me? And what questions do I have to ask? What frameworks do I have to run this through to mm -hmm. know if this is a good idea for our company? Learning how to do that type of stuff is something that is, that is often not taught. You're just taught, this is how you do paid. And this is how you do a podcast. And this is how you do content marketing. And so you jump in and you're like, I'm, I'm going to do that. Uh, and then you do it and you're like, it doesn't work. Why doesn't it work? Yeah. Right. Cause you haven't gone through the critical thinking to do that. So I would say, I would say that's number one. The second thing is, uh, and, and this probably is not what most people are thinking, but you need to become an optimist. Okay. What I mean by that is optimists are the people that come in and they are going to do some, it's why I love working with small business owners because most of them are optimists, right? Because you have to be an optimist to go start a business knowing that only you have a 35% chance of success, right? And so <laughs> I love that spirit. I love that yeah. attitude, but optimists will take more risks because they think that the best can happen, right? And they're also the most resilient so that when they fail, they're the most likely to say, oh, hey, this is, this is just the way things happen sometime. Let's keep going. What can I learn? How can, how can I move mm -hmm. on? So That's it's great. that critical thinking and optimism that if you put that together, oh man, that is, that's, that's a powerhouse. And I'll bring somebody in that doesn't have all of those hard skills and I'll teach them the hard skills. But if they've got those soft skills, oh man, the sky's the, sky's the limit for you in marketing yeah. or any profession you're in. Yeah, that's great. And that kind of gets into um, just bridging between marketing and some of these other business skills. And I think one of, one thing that's, you know, part of the soft skills you're talking about is learning how to communicate an idea and get that across and get consensus for that idea. Like if you can't do that, you're not going to grow in leader. You're not going to be asked to do, you know, more, more leadership, uh, within your organization or other ones, if you, if you can't bring an idea that somebody hadn't thought of and solve a problem and then get consensus around how to solve it and then go do it. And so learning how to, how to get buy-in, how to work with multiple different people and, and, mm -hmm. and work through that process is, is definitely really valuable. I like what you said about the optimist though. And I totally agree. Like I would say I, by nature, am not that way, but I've really worked on that specifically because, um, but you have to take risks as a marketer. Yeah. You have yeah. to. If you don't take risks, you will not win mm -hmm. as a marketer. You're not going to really move the needle for your company. You have to be willing to say, this is a risk, but I think it's worth taking this risk. And if it doesn't work, we'll pivot and we'll find something else. Probably more risky to do because yeah. <laughs> otherwise we're we're not going to grow. Because the companies that d are unwilling to take risks, are, are they stagnant? They they yeah. don't grow. Yeah, and most most pessimists love to hang their hat on, I'm going to be the devil's advocate because I'm going to help uncover all of these things that may go wrong. And so I'm going to show my value by showing all of the pitfalls and, and revealing all of those. That is great. Like devil's advocate and doing a pre-mortem, you know, again, it's one of those critical thinking frameworks that you can use, like go do that, add value that way, but still figure out how to do it. Don't, don't be the person that is, I'm going to see potholes and I'm going to be like, well, that's never going to work. 
And so then you shut it down. See those same potholes, acknowledge them and say, Hey, I got some ideas to go around those. Yeah. We could put a board on it. We could, you know, we could go around. It'll take a little bit longer. We can do this. Like there are two ways to see everything and I will choose an optimist every day. Yeah. One, one, uh, way to reframe that, that I've heard before in a brainstorming session, if you want to get people involved, you would normally wouldn't, is that you, you don't say, Oh, I love that idea. But you say, Oh, I love that idea. And, and, and that, and could be how you're going to solve for this mm-hmm. thing that maybe they didn't think about and can kind of reframe to help them maybe, you know, have a more solid plan to begin with, but it's, it's much more optimistic in um, moving towards uh, actually achieving the goal. Um, but awesome. Thanks so much, Casey, for taking the time to come on the show. How can people find out more about you and, and more about Entree Leadership? So uh, I'm on LinkedIn. So it's Casey Maxwell. That's K-A-C-Y. Um, I actually post a, a decent amount on LinkedIn. That's how uh, Joseph and I met. Uh, so join me on there. Like I accept, as long as you're not going to pitch me, I accept most uh, LinkedIn requests. Uh, and I love talking about this stuff. I love talking about leadership and uh, working with small businesses and marketing. Um, and if you want to learn more about Entree Leadership, you can go to entreeleadership.com or we've talked about it a lot. Just go look at the Entree Leadership podcast on, on your favorite podcast player. Awesome. Thank you for listening to this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to The Strategic Marketer wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you could do me a personal favor and hit five stars on the rating, you don't have to leave a full review, just hit five stars. It would really help me out. I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Strategic Marketer.